Hello everyone, welcome to your weekly tech update, the show that explores the newest, coolest, and sometimes mind-boggling side of tech available on the interwebs. I am your host, Ray McNeil. Coming up on the program today, we're talking Skype. They're rolling out their new Meet Now calls, and you don't need to sign up or to install it to use it. Amazon's new Blink Mini is a small indoor camera that allows for two-way audio, motion detection, HD video, and it's only 35 bucks. And we'll take your mind off of the world and put a smile on your face with this week's Moment of Joy. That and a whole lot more coming up on today's edition of your weekly tech update next. There are more video calls going on now more than ever. However, a significant chunk of that action has gone to Zoom, which honestly I had never heard of before a couple of months ago. And not necessarily Skype, who has been the mainstay video chatting service for many years now. Microsoft's product that has been at the center of online voice and video chat since well before smartphones were commonplace is now coming out with a new feature that's rivaling Zoom and uh, the, the market share that Zoom has captured in its short time. Perhaps too easy with some security and privacy compromises, but Skype is finally ready to fight back with Meet Now. With Meet Now, hosts can create and share free meetings with just three simple clicks. That's according to the company. Even the host doesn't need to have Skype installed. It's all ran from your web browser. You can start the process from its website and then invite people either using a simple link or the share button that's available on the page. If the person you're inviting has Skype installed, then it will automatically open up in the app directly. And if not, then it will open up a web browser and works in Chrome and Edge. Zoom has already made some changes and pledged more to address its issues. We'll see if this setup helps Skype claw back any users who've already gotten used to using competitor software for their meetings. We've long waited for the successor to Sony's awesome noise-canceling WH-1000XM3 headphones, which earned a CNET Editor's Choice Award back in 2019. Credible photos of headphones that appeared to be the Sony WH-1000XM4 appeared on Twitter earlier last month, but it looks like they're a no-show for the time being anyway. While we're waiting, however, the company recently announced that it's bringing out two new wireless headphones. The WF-XB700 is a true wireless headphone in the company's extra bass line. It'll cost 130 bucks, while the WH-CH710N, a new noise-canceling over-ear headphone, will cost 200. Both are set to be available for pre-order in April. WF-XB700 Extra Bass True Wireless Earbuds with Sony's Extra Bass technology, tri-hold structure. It uh, creates a comfortable ergonomic fit with up to, get this, nine hours of battery life. And an 
optional charging case delivers an additional nine hours. You can even do a quick charge with it. 10 minutes on the quick charge provides about 60 minutes of music playback. Available in April for pre-order in black and blue. And then of course we have the WH-CH710N. They come with 30 millimeter drivers, artificial intelligence noise canceling, and it can automatically select the most effective noise canceling mode for user surroundings. It also includes dual microphones. Uh, it'll kind of help you catch more ambient sounds up to 35 hours of audio on a single charge. And it automatically selects the most effective noise canceling mode for the user's surroundings. You can get up to 35 hours of audio on a single charge. And again, it has the quick charge feature that provides 60 minutes of music playback via a 10 minute charge. Bluetooth 5.0 is included with this as well as the standard USB-C charging. This has 30 millimeter drivers, support for Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, one touch button access to those uh, digital assistants, by the way, and it's gonna be available in April for pre-order as well. This one only coming in black for the time being anyway. Having AI agents learn how to play simple video games is an ideal way to test their effectiveness thanks to the ability to measure success via a score. Alphabet's DeepMind designed 57 particular Atari games to serve as a litmus test for its artificial intelligence and established a benchmark for the skills of an average human player. The company's latest system, Agent 57, made a huge leap over previous systems and is the first version of the AI that outperforms the human baseline. In particular, Agent 57 has proven its superhuman skills in Pitfall, Montezuma's Revenge, Solaris, and Skiing. Uh, all those games that have been major challenges for other AIs. Now, according to MIT's technology review, Pitfall and Montezuma's Revenge require the AI to experiment more than usual in order to figure out how to get a better score. Meanwhile, Solaris and Skiing are difficult for AI because there aren't as many indications of success. The AI doesn't know if it's making its right moves for long stretches of time. DeepMind built upon its older AI agents so that Agent 57 could make better decisions regarding exploration and score exploration, as well as to optimize the trade-off between short-term and long-term performance in games like skiing. Technology Review notes that while these results are impressive, AI still has a long way to go. These systems can only figure out one game at a time right now, which it says is at odds with the skills of a human. True versatility, which comes so easily to a human infant, is still far beyond AI's reach. That said, AI is already in use across industries. The lessons learned from Agent 57 could help improve performance, even if human-level skills aren't achievable for now. 
NASA's next great observatory, the James Webb Space Telescope, has fully deployed its primary mirror for the first time, marking another milestone on the journey to space. Before all work on the next generation instrument, which is scheduled to launch sometime in 2021, was paused due to the COVID-19 pandemic, technicians and engineers at the agency were going through a series of tests with the telescope before it was sent off to board the Arrain 5 rocket. Now, recently in one of these tests, the Space Telescope successfully extended and unfolded its entire 21-foot, 4-inch primary mirror, the largest mirror of its kind that NASA has ever built. The mirror opened up into the same configuration that it will once the telescope is in space. During the test, Webb's mirror was hooked up to specialized gravity offsetting equipment that simulated the zero-gravity environment in space. So not only did the mirror deploy as designed, it did so in a space-like environment, demonstrating its readiness. Engineers and technicians will deploy Webb's primary mirror only one more time before it's shipped off to its launch site. Passing this test is another significant milestone showing Webb will deploy properly in space. This is a great achievement and an inspiring image for the entire team. Webb's primary mirror is a critical piece of the instrument. A telescope sensitivity is directly related to the size of its mirror, which determines how much light the telescope can collect from the objects that it observes. So Webb's mirror has to be really, really big in order for the instrument to be as powerful as possible. Webb's mirror is so big that it cannot fit inside a rocket while fully extended, so it needs to fold up in order Order to be transported to space. The latest addition to Amazon's Blink lineup of home security cams is the Blink Mini. And it's pretty cool. It's a compact indoor camera that supports two-way audio. It's available for pre-order through Amazon right now for 35 bucks. Two of them will cost you $65, saving you $5 off the total price. Considering the low cost, it seems to hit all of the fundamentals that you might expect from a home security camera, uh, plus a few extras. The Mini can record in 1080p resolution. It supports motion detection and has a night vision capability via an infrared light. The Blink Mini also allows for two-way audio, so you can chat through the speaker with a family member or friend who's using the Blink app. It even includes a stand that you can use to angle the camera to your liking. Unlike Blink's previous cameras, the Blink Mini is wired, so you don't need to think about charging batteries. You can pair it with an Alexa-enabled device like an Echo Show smart speaker to see a live video feed of the camera's field of view and arm or disarm the camera as well. For video clip storage, Blink includes a trial to its Blink Plus cloud video storage service that lasts through the end of 2020. It costs $3 per month or $30 per year to keep that subscription going. This is a shift for Blink, which historically hasn't charged for cloud storage of clips. The Blink X-T2 product page on Amazon still lists that 
as a free service, letting you keep recorded video for an entire year. When asked if this charge would extend to other Blink models, an Amazon spokesperson told The Verge there is no charge for existing Blink X-T2 customers. They will continue to have access to their existing free storage. Additionally, Amazon will launch the Blink Sync Module 2 later this year, which gives you a way to store clips locally. That device will cost $35, just like the camera. Once you insert a USB flash drive into it, it can store video recorded from up to 10 different Blink Mini cameras in the same home and then display them on the Blink Home Monitor. Alternatively, you can simply yank out the flash drive and plug it into a PC to watch the clips as well. Are you looking for a gaming laptop? Well, a slew of them have just been announced and it looks like you're gonna have plenty to choose from. We have so many different options that uh, it's going to fit your budget, no matter what that budget may be. Asus has just been uh, pushing laptops with second screens. Well, they've been doing that for a couple of years now, but it's still searching for a winning formula. Last year's ZenBook Pro Duo pushed the keyboard down to the edge of the laptop's body with the rest of the surface housing a second screen. The problem with that configuration was an awkwardly placed trackpad. But, you know, who cares less about trackpad placement? Well, gamers. Hence, almost a year later, the company's Republic of Gamers division has its own spin on the concept, the ROG Zephyrus Duo 15. Zephyrus is ROG's flagship gaming laptop series and often acts as a showcase for bleeding-edge tech and design features. The first model in the range was the standard bearer for NVIDIA's Max-Q design to help get the most out of its small thermal profile. Then in 2017, it showed off a machine that measured just 16.9 millimeters thick when closed but packed a powerful GTX 1080 card inside. The profile was far narrower than its rivals like the Razer Blade. The Zephyrus Duo has an arguably more noticeable feature. Yes, there's a fairly big chin at the bottom of its primary display, but that's not lazy design. The ScreenPad, sorry, ROG ScreenPad Plus, articulates angling upward and making it much easier for you to see both displays at once. The 14.09-inch ScreenPad Plus packs a UHD touchscreen with a non-glare coating and stylus support, and it should make it easier to stream a game and keep an eye on your stats without cluttering up the main screen. Acer is joining a flurry of PC makers and adopting the next wave of NVIDIA and Intel chips inside its latest laptops. It's updating its 15.6-inch Predator Triton 500 and Nitro 5 gaming portables to use NVIDIA's new GeForce RTX Super Laptop GPUs, as well as Intel's 10th generation Core H series processors. As you might guess, the premium Predator series is the highlight. It comes with uh, GeForce RTX 2080 Super Max-Q to deliver speedier, 
and more efficient graphics and uh, mates that with a 300 hertz three millisecond response ips display and per-key RGB keyboard lighting. The Nitro 5 update isn't quite so eye-catching, but you will find 120 hertz, three millisecond response display that should still provide a noticeable advantage over 60 hertz panels and games. The company didn't detail every possible configuration in its announcement. In the US though, 2600 will get you a Predator Triton 500 with a GeForce RTX 2080 Super Video, a Core i7, 10750H CPU, 32 gigs of RAM, and a one terabyte SSD. That's gonna be an awesome machine for anybody. Asus has refreshed its line of gaming laptops with new 10th generation Intel Core processors, NVIDIA RTX 2070 and 2080 Super Graphics, and a bunch of other features designed to make gaming and content creation a little bit slicker and smoother. First up, the new Zephyrus S17. It uh, comes with a 17.3 inch display with super narrow bezels in an 18.7 millimeter thin chassis a uh, 300 hertz refresh rate just like the other one we mentioned and three millisecond gray to gray response time means the display is lightning fast and it comes with pantone validated color accuracy as well Asus's engineers have added a few other premium features as well, including a full desktop style keyboard with per-key RGB LED backlighting and a unique AAS cooling solution that opens a large intake vent beneath the system when the lid is raised. Lenovo is leaping quickly on the latest NVIDIA and Intel technology for its gaming laptops too. It's introducing Legion 5i and Legion 7i portables, their successors to the Y540 and Y740 respectively. That most notably are among the first to use NVIDIA's advanced Optimus graphics switching. The new tech both lowers power consumption in less intensive moments and ramps up performance in GPU-heavy situations, theoretically giving you added battery life and higher frame rates in the same package. The Legion 7i also touts a new option of the GeForce RTX 2080 Super Max Q graphics if you insist on the best possible visuals. Lenovo hasn't narrowed down availability for the US. The uh, Legion 5i will help lower the base price for GeForce RTX equipment gaming laptops and uh, with an RTX 2060 equipped system starting at just 999 bucks, it's not certain how much the Legion 7i with an RTX 2080 Supermax Q will cost. But the RTX 2070 base version is going to cost you about $1199. You won't have to pay a particular stiff premium, in other words. Razer has also unveiled the 2020 Blade 15 Advanced. Gigabyte has launched its latest lineup of Aero laptops as well, mainly for creators, and its latest 17-inch model has some nice features if you're into HDR. The 15G laptop starts at $1699 and can go up to $28.99 depending on your options, while the Aorus 17G ranges from $17.99 all the way up to $27.99.
With Disney acquiring Fox, the entire Simpsons catalog came to Disney Plus streaming, which was great for fans of the show. However, after learning nothing from FXX, Disney aired the pre-2009 seasons in widescreen rather than the additional 4-3 format. Now, that would be bad enough as is, but it uh, also had the very unfortunate effect of cutting off many of the show's amazing visual gags like the one on screen. Disney pled mea culpa last year and promised to fix the issue by early 2020. Recently on Twitter, the company said it now expects to accomplish this by the end of May. At that point, you'll be able to watch the first 19 seasons and part of 20 on Disney Plus in the original ratio. Other broadcasters do this with old shows, taking the original 4-3 format and cropping its top and bottom to 16-9. That reduces the already low resolution by about 25%. This also has the effect of removing some of the original picture information at the top and bottom. Many TVs will also stretch and distort 4.3 video to fully fill a widescreen TV, so you gotta watch out for that when you're watching these Simpson repeats. After angering fans for doing the same thing back in 2014, FX changed course and released The Simpsons in 4.3, earning praise from all of the fans. You'd think it would have been easier for Disney Plus to have done the same thing from the get-go. But it's better late than never, I guess. Porsche is set to turn the ignition on, live streaming its Mobile One Super Cup Virtual Edition. 31 drivers are expected to take part. The event features two races in 911 GT3 Cup cars. The Porsche Mobile One Super Cup Virtual Edition circuit is aiming to fill the gap with the actual races postponed due to the outbreak. The Super Cup is the pinnacle of Porsche's one-make cups, says Oliver Schwab, Project manager of the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup. I'm delighted that we've managed to come up with a great alternative under the current circumstances with no real motor racing. We have a top-class field, and I'm very excited to see who will perform the best on a screen. Jackson Evans of Momo Megatron Lecter Racing won the test session on the virtual Barcelona track earlier in the week. Former Super Cup driver and current Eurosport expert Jan Steffarth will provide commentary for the event. The Porsche Mobile One Super Cup Virtual Edition will also feature races at the Silverstone Circuit in Great Britain, the Circuit in Belgium April 25th, and another one in Italy on May 16th. Thank you so much for watching your weekly tech update. If you have a story you think we need to feature on the program, send me an email, djraymcneil at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at your weekly tech update and check out the podcast, audio and video versions available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Audioburst, and elsewhere on the interwebs. Till next time, I'm Ray McNeil. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Now it's time for your moment of joy.
Good boy. Yeah, good fish. Yeah. Good, good fish. Tech Update brought to you by Holiday Home Care, Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia. It's your turn to relax.